1: Welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame Show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Toronto Raptors in MLK Day matinee at Madison Square Garden. The Raptors come in at 19-24, and 24, 11th place in the Eastern Conference. Remember what that was like, 11th place in the Eastern Conference? I shouldn't say anything. I'm still getting over being Claudio cursed, although... Again, bounce here, rebound there, free throws there. 13 and 5 would be in play. I digress. The Raptors come in, uh, a struggling team that is 3 and 3 in their last six, a six-game homestand that they just wrapped up the other night. Unfortunately, that homestand for them started with a Knicks loss, the first by the Knicks uh to the Knicks in Toronto since Jeremy Lynn. Um, a lot of questions surrounding this Raptors season and I, I Surprisingly enough, from our perspective, uh, they surround the head coach and the front office, who I've heard many of Knicks fans say are the model for what we should be, whether it be Masai Ujiri or Nick Nurse. You're going to hear all about it from Catherine Niker, who is part of Raptors Republic, uh, a blog that has been covering the Raptors for over a decade and has spearheaded people into the industry. Um And they do a great job over there. And the link will be in the episode description of this podcast. Her links as well. The podcast she hosts on the feed is called Buckets and Tea. She also has a WNBA podcast called The Pickup. Um, She also is a stand-up comedian. And her comedy album, I'm Your Number One Dad, is uh, available on Spotify and Apple and and all places that you get uh, albums. It's also available in the link that is in this episode description as well. We'll have all the things to plug for her, but as far as her Raptors coverage is concerned, it's over at Raptors Republic and over on the Rapcast podcast feed. And we talked a lot about what's happened to the Raptors this season and, and what has to be a disappointing, uh, start or not even start season so far, we're more than halfway through the season at this point. Uh, so you'll hear from her in just a little bit as far as Nick's Raptors connections, Are concerned. I had to go digging because, like, there's no Raptors that are currently former Knicks. Uh, I know that a lot of Knicks fans wanted Fred Van Vliet a couple years ago. There's the obvious Bargnani trade that happened in 2014. And for those of us that support one Carmelo Anthony, we like to point to that as the thing you actually regret, not the Carmelo Anthony trade. Uh, It's that what they did after they traded for Carmelo Anthony was trade for Andrea Bargnani after winning 54 games. Um, But I digress. There's also the Masai Ujiri connection and how James Dolan um, refused to deal with him ever again because he thought he was, uh, cheated after the Bargnani trade. And that's why Kyle Lowry never didn't end up being a Knick. Um, The connection for me, as far as I'm concerned, I got to go all the way back to the year 2000 and the year 2001. In 2000, the Knicks were the three seed in the Eastern Conference and they played the six seed Toronto Raptors in the first round. That was a young Vince Carter, a young Tracy McGrady on that team. And the Knicks swept the Raptors in three games. This is back when the first round was only best of five. And they swept the Raptors in three. And in game three, while they were down the stretch trying to put the game away, Larry Johnson hit a bank three. And it it was not something you planned. It's not something you want to do, but it went in and it put the Knicks up for good. And I remember the post game interview because the game was on a Sunday was LJ to whomever, whether it be a Madras shot or whoever it was, I guess the bank is open on Sundays. And that was the, the rallying cry for at least the rest of the weekend. Um, and then the very next year, the Knicks played the Raptors again the without Patrick Ewing because the way the 2000 playoffs went, a classic seven-game series against the Heat that the Knicks won in the second round. And then in the conference finals, they lost to the Pacers. And that ended up being Patrick Ewing's final games as a New York Knick. And then the next season, 2001, without Ewing, they were the 4 seed and played the raptors the 5 seed in the first round and the raptors ended up winning that series in 5 game 5 being at madison square garden now it's funny so to, let me take you back in my life to 2012 i was actually dating a canadian when i went to visit her in toronto during one of our um breaks during like college like one of our winter breaks um she took me to a raptors game and in 2012, think of everything the Raptors had accomplished back then. Like the the, the playoff series win over the Knicks and that's it. Like Chris Bosh played there. Like that's the only other thing they really had to accomplish pre Kyle Lowry, DeRozan, Kawhi Leonard era that they've had the last couple of years. Um, and so we're walking around the uh, at the the Air Canada Center and i'm seeing some of the the things that they have to commemorate special playoff moments and what do i see a a celebrating uh uh I forget the the player on the Raptors that was doing it but at Madison Square Garden I recognized that court anywhere and they really were celebrating the hell out of their one playoff series win unfortunately at the hand of the New York Knicks there were many posters up of a dejected LaTrell Sprewell with a celebrating Raptors player in the background and uh yeah I, I'm I filed that away as, as something that happened in, in 2000, or I guess 2001 at that point. And thankfully, the Raptors can put that in the corner because they have other more impressive things to celebrate as a franchise. Um, hopefully, they don't have a win to celebrate on Monday. Let's preview that game with the one and only Catherine Niker of Raptors Republic, the rap cast, and the show Buckets and Tea. Enjoy. Joining me now here on the Knicks Film School pregame show podcast uh, to preview the Knicks upcoming matchup on MLK Day, a matinee on MLK Day uh, against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, she is the host of Buckets in Tea on the Rapcast podcast network. We'll explain what that is in just a second. <laughs> um, we go north of the border and welcome Catherine Niker to the Knicks Film School podcast. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me.
2: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
1: So, if you wouldn't mind, like we have a, it's all on the same feed. The the Knicks Film School. Mm. I guess we kind of have a network as 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 it makes sense as how you're about to explain it. But you host buckets and tea. I know there's Raptors reaction and then some yeah. other different things. So if you want to tell everybody how the 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 Raptors Republic podcast network works, uh, yeah, great.
2: Absolutely. So Raptors Republic uh, started out as like a very popular blog in like probably the dark days uh, post Chris Bosch, little leftover barnyani, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of era. And through, but it gained popularity. And then through that, they've been able to like really launch careers for different people. So like Blake Murphy of The Athletic and and a lot of other people who are, I guess, more probably Canadian. Um, and so now there's like half the Raptors Republic um, people are like credentialed media Raptors beat writers. And then there's like me, who's also a stand-up comedian. And I do the <laughs> NBA show there once a week. And so you've got different personalities on the network, you know, kind of like almost in a way like how the ringer is sort of built theirs but it's all right. related to raptors and nba so uh there's different personalities on the raptors republic uh the podcast network is called the rapcast so there's reaction podcasts there's weekly stuff there's daily stuff pretty much every day there's a new episode to check out so yeah we're a really cool nerdy uh bunch
1: yeah i I, I don't know why this this tickles me so much, but I appreciate a good podcast name that incorporates the, the name of like the team. Mm-hmm. And just like the wrap up is so simple. And yet like, yeah. it's <laughs> so perfect. Like I, I just bravo Raptors Republic and the Rapcast for, for <laughs> the name and just knowing understanding the assignment and nailing it perfectly. Yeah. Um, so the Raptors this season, mm-hmm. uh, 19 and 24. It's funny. Someone would look at this matchup and a Knicks team that's won seven of their last eight is 15 and six since making this lineup change uh, to go to a nine man rotation. And they look across at a struggling from what perceives to be a struggling Raptors team that's 19 and 24 Uh and uh, has had some ups and downs. Like you notice the minutes that get distributed by Nick Nurse and yet. I think I speak for every single Knicks fan watching this and that will watch this game tomorrow, or I guess when people are watching this today, mm-hmm. and just fear every bit of the Raptors and what, <laughs> what they can bring to the table and, and the matchup that they present. And the, like. Siakam obviously had a, a career high when he played the Knicks last time. The Knicks yeah. snapped like a, a decade-long losing streak in Toronto the last time they played each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how you perceive not just a matchup like this, but like, how are the vibes right now in, in Toronto and specifically with Raptors fans?
2: Yeah, the vibes are pretty questionable. They're Mm. not great. I mean, it's so funny too, because we had like a three game winning streak, which was sadly our first winning streak Mm. of the season. It's been highly inconsistent. Two out of those three games were against the Charlotte Hornets at home. So it's hard to get like, overly optimistic about that, you know, and then we lost uh, to the Hawks most recently. And um, yeah, you know, the way I would describe the Raptors right now is like the Spider-Man meme where like the three Spider-Mans <laughs> are pointing at each other. Right. And you, know, you have the, the coach, like the coaching staff, the players and the front office, and everyone's trying to figure out who's to blame for all the losses and the inconsistencies, but really they're all pointing at each other and they're all making pretty great points. So, mm. I think the, the you know, the the struggling Raptors this season, it's not a clear-cut thing. I think it's like a highly nuanced, uh difficult to break down multiple reasons as to why it hasn't been going well uh comparatively to expectations going into the season. So, yeah, I mean, I think um Patience is starting to wear thin with this team, you know, certainly with the fan base, but I think you can see it too a bit in the players and even in the coaches as well. Um I think if they get off to like a really good start, then th- it's going to be like a nice, tight game throughout. But I feel like this team, they're easily wavered. You know, like yeah. the last game we had, um, you know, like Randall went off for like five threes or something ridiculous like that in the first quarter. And you could just tell it was like deflating, you know, like it, it it's not hard to deflate this Raptors team.
1: The Spider-Man mean you're referencing is mm. that the fans are choosing which to blame the front office, the team, or the the coach or is that actually like something that's coming out from the Raptors whether it be in the media or in little leaks that like there is little infighting going on.
2: Uh maybe. great question. That to me is more so from the perspective of the fans. Okay. So I haven't heard anything yet about like Nick Nurse like losing the locker room or or anything like that. Um but I think there are some things like in terms of like all the constant switching and like you know, I feel like Their defense is so convoluted, but it's also a bit of overcompensating for the lack of offense (laughs) at the same time, too. So there's a lot of that happening right now. I mean, tomorrow's going to be interesting. As of this recording, Fred VanVleet is questionable with back soreness. So we don't even know if Fred's going to be available. So maybe Siakam will have to go off for another 52 just to give us a fighting chance, you know?
1: No disrespect. Um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. So that's really more from the fan perspective, but I do think ultimately this is my personal opinion. And, and there are other people who feel the same way is that with Scotty Barnes, I think a lot of us still really like Scotty, but he isn't on this like accelerated timeline. Like we had originally hoped. And so, you know, now you have the Pascal in his prime timeline and you know, you could, even though Fred's been struggling a bit you could add him into that mix. And then you have the Scotty Barnes timeline and, you know, precious Achua and other younger players are sort of a part of that timeline. And they're not gelling the way like, you know, last year's warriors were able to, to gel. And so I feel like the front office does need to make some difficult decisions in terms of like, which timeline are you on? Or are you actually going to ride this out and hope that these two sort of mend together?
1: Well, that. Let's stay there for a second. The Scotty Barnes timeline, because like I can only give you my guess that the the Nets exist in New York, but what happened (laughs) with them, like what happened with them over the summer really was kind of foreign to a lot of us. Because there's, I don't know any Net fans personally. I know that, it, they, that is I,
2: so wild. Just the, they're,
1: they're I, I don't, this is like a block in Brooklyn that just don't, it doesn't exist as much as <laughs> one might think with a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and yeah, all the attention that it drew. They're, this is a Knicks town and will always be. Now, mm-hmm. I know that was very disrespectful and probably intentionally, but I don't mean the disrespect <laughs> in that sense. All this to say, like what happened in Brooklyn this summer. I mean, there was never any Katie to the Knicks talks. There was like one Patreon town hall we had where it was floated as a pipe dream. But hilarious. I'm sure for you and mm-hmm. after Scotty's rookie of the year season and then all of this Katie trade stuff happens. Like, I wonder how much that has seeped into this season. Like, OK, you're the guy that that didn't get traded for Kevin Durant that was taken off the table. By a lot of people. Was that, well, let's just, I guess, start there first. Were you, or I guess the fan base overall? We're, was it like, no, we don't want to pursue a Kevin Durant trade for for Scotty Barnes? No, that's crazy. Of course
2: sure. <laughs> we would want Kevin Durant on our team. Look, I know everybody gets all up in arms in terms of like, oh, like you guys booed him when he tore his Achilles mm-hmm. in the finals and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm sure there was a bit of an air of desperation in the arena that night. Like, I, I'm not going to deny that, but we all know who Kevin Durant is. I mean, he is a a generational talent and, you know, I think Scotty Barnes has a high ceiling, but you know, yeah, no, most of us, I think would have traded for, for Kevin Durant. But I think the truth of it is that that's not just a straight up trade, right? Like Kevin right. Durant for Scotty Barnes. Multiple picks
1: are going Yeah. On.
2: Like that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, the salaries don't match up. They probably wanted someone like OG and OB, um, who is an elite defender. They maybe. You know, multiple picks included with that. I think the price was probably too high um, and that it wasn't just about Scottie Barnes. But I do think an entire summer of Scottie Barnes being compared to Kevin Durant might not have been good for him. Mm. Um, No one has explicitly said that as much, but there's been little rumblings here and there about Scottie's attitude uh not always being the best at times then everyone downplays it like no 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 it's not a big deal because it's a boys club and this and that and nobody's gonna actually like leak that you know but I think maybe it got to his head just a little bit and now you know he's having a bit of slump and you know maybe he needed this humble pie. I mean Mm. Siakam went through a slump during the Tampa Bay season and look at him now. So you know I'm not I'm not out on Scotty yet by any means but Yeah, I mean, imagine.
1: (laughs) Imagine Imagine if you was Kevin Durant. Yes, um, yeah, it's it's not a one to one comparison, but it's similar in the sense that like RJ Barrett came to New York, got drafted by New York Mm -hmm. with a ton of expectations, and like you're the third pick. You you come from that Duke team with Zion Williamson, and first time ever, New York decided to overvalue somebody for what they may or may not actually be. Um, and, you know, we had the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes this summer that yes, once RJ was rumored and then reported to be part of the situation and part of the the, the negotiations, what some might have seen like, of course, it's Donovan Mitchell. The other side, the more vocal side, was like, there's no chance I would trade RJ for, for Donovan Mitchell. But to your point... It wasn't just that it's like RJ plus a player plus all the picks. And it -hmm. wasn't just a one-to-one swap, but then RJ got off to a similar start this season and was shooting poorly. And while he's come out of it, it's there's, there's, there's some rotational stuff. That's, that's fascinating. He didn't close the the game yesterday when you're, when yesterday, when people are listening to this, but today we're recording this, uh, he did not close the game. Uh, against yeah. Detroit, they they decided to go with Emmanuel quickly down the stretch, which we'll see if that becomes a thing. Um, and so I can understand if Scottie Barnes, after a summer of like being mentioned at least as the focal point of a uh, Kevin Durant hypothetical trade, uh, is leading to some of the numbers that, like from afar, like you could see a 28% three point shooter and wonder, okay, that's, that's not what you want from yeah. Rookie of the year. Um
2: Yeah, I mean the thing yeah. too that people always forget to um factor into when we're doing all these trade sort of fantasies mm-hmm. is how much depth you end up giving up as a result. And so right. I could see, you know, as great as Donovan Mitchell is, you know, if you are giving up so much depth, then it's like you can only go so far with an amazing starting five and you know what I mean, and without oh, yeah, the bench yeah. to back it up. So yeah. you
1: know. The, the tough part, like I landed on the side of like it probably like the Knicks were not prepared to make the all in move that Cleveland made, mm-hmm. like the, especially with the version of Julius Randle we had last season. That right. Just, he, he was not the you didn't want to bring Mitchell here with all these questions about what Julius Randle would be. There's your the one to one comparison that actually works a lot is you mentioned with Pascal Siakam in the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. season, like Randall the second year after he won most improved after he made all NBA was awful last year. And then they brought in Jalen Brunson he's a borderline all-star this season.
2: Borderline people disagree. Some people say he is an all-star and you need to stop voting for these other guys. Like, I believe no? he
1: is. I'm just understanding that the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference is probably not getting two All Stars. No, if it's going to be one. It should be Jalen Brunson. Yeah, so at least that's where I am on that.
2: Okay, actually. okay. So you're you're on the right side of history here. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> now the one who is is Pascal Siakam. You would make my All Star. I game as sincerely
2: well. hope he does make it. He absolutely deserves it.
1: so what is the conversation around this player as far as his future in Toronto? I know it's, he's a player that comes up a lot in our post-game live streams. That was a target that a lot of Knicks fans would love to see.
2: On yeah, it, it, this is so fascinating, too, because um, he, everybody wants him, right? But it's like everybody wants him for a reason. Yes. And everybody wants him for the same reasons we want to keep him. And so I I personally think that Masai is very invested in OG. You know, like he he found this guy. He's always been a Raptor. And I I just don't think he's going to give him up that easily. Not to say that he wouldn't do it. We know what Masai is is capable of in terms of trades. But, you know, even even the Kawhi trade that he, you know, the Epic DeRozan Kawhi trade Mm -hmm. that he pulled off. I think that took a toll on him emotionally Um, him and, and uh, Kyle Lowry were like not on speaking terms for like six months after that trade happened. Yeah, Yeah. Like I, I do think it was like hard on him, even though he did do it. So I think these guys that he, you know, has, you know, quote unquote discovered, you know, like Pascal, Fred, OG, you know, and, and kind of developed them from, you know, diamonds in the rough, so to speak. Like they weren't like a Scotty Barnes, like a super high draft pick that everyone kind of knew about. And I I just don't see him giving up on him that easily. Like the, I know there were like Zach Lowe, or someone said that there could be a Donovan Mitchell like package for him. Right, I don't know. Next, if, I package? don't know yeah. if that's true or not, <laughs> but I think it would have to be that kind of a package. Um, for Masai to to do it, I think he just values him, uh, his potential, and, and values him on a personal level as well.
1: So let's just play this out because the question I was going to ask, honestly, in reference to the Zach Lowe thing yeah. that he said, um, was like, what are you personally comfortable with if if this is a road that the Raptors go down? and It's like they traded OG and Anobi. What do you need the package to be coming back?
2: We need a real center. This is yeah. the real like thing. We haven't had a proper. This is no, you know, disrespect to anybody, but we haven't had a proper starting center mm-hmm. since uh, Gasol and Ibaka left um, after the NBA bubble. Um, that spot has been sorely missed. This whole like six foot nine lineup thing. I'm not personally a fan of, you know. It's a cute idea. I love the idea of players being versatile and players being able to play every single position. I love that concept. But why does everyone have to be the same height? <laughs> that part I don't get. I'll right. never get that part. You know. And last year in the playoffs, you know, Joel and Beat hitting like a three-pointer on us in overtime. Over who, Fred? You know what I mean? Like, there was like the switches were all wrong. He got exactly what he wanted. He hit that shot. There's nothing to prevent that play from happening again and again and again. And I think, you know, for me in a package like that to give up OG, we need a real proper starting center who is versatile, who can guard, who can shoot a three pointer if they need to. That is that type of player is who I would be willing to give up OGN and OB for.
1: That is so fascinating that that is that is at least the sentiment about the 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 all six nine team and because I <laughs> look because like outside from the outside perspective that's like a thing that is admired about the Raptors that mm-hmm. like oh everybody switches they're they're revolutionizing basketball in a way mm-hmm. and last year's team was like a revelation that you lose, you lose Kyle, you lose Kawhi the year before. And it's like, okay.
2: And maybe, still a playoff team. So like maybe yeah. they're
1: rebuilding and not only are they a playoff team, but they're like a surging playoff team mm-hmm. that some were picking to put a scare mm-hmm. into Philly. And like you did after, after six. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So like, I know, I think that's the reputation that comes both with nurse, obviously Messiah and this roster, even despite the 19 and 24 record. And like to the the point of that, they don't have a true center. Pascal is technically qualified for center on basketball reference. If you go. Yes, I know, but I got, there
2: there was a game against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and it's, this is a play that no one is going to remember, but will haunt me. But like Brooke Lopez, like dunked, on Siakam somewhere in that fourth quarter. It just made me so mad, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think I just love Pascal so much. And I'm like, I want someone on my team who's bigger than Pascal to box, like to box him out. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to have to be Pascal's responsibility.
1: Which I mean, you know, that's pro- just this is just my into, Homer uh, opinion
2: yeah. as a fan, as a protective fan of Pascal Siaka, but I'm just you know, and I don't want to say he can't guard Lopez, because that's not true at all. But ideally, I feel like there's someone else there, you know, which would give Pascal, I think, more freedom. And, and again, like the switching, I love all of that, but why can't we have someone just a little taller? <laughs> I'm bored with the plan, you know. Right, right. That's the thing that I haven't been able to figure out and and yeah.
1: So you'd mentioned in that in the Spider-Man meme reference, the <laughs> yes. I loved it. Sorry. Um,
2: no, they I appreciate it.
1: The um that the, there's a, a contingent of the fan base that is pointing the finger at Nick Nurse. Mm. Um the number one source of consternation amongst Nick's fans is how much blame, how much credit um, is he good? Is he bad? Amongst uh, all of us about Tom Thibodeau, so I I can mm. understand that. But the funny thing is, I guess I want to ask more in particular about how much blame is being sent Nick Nurse's way because I can't tell you how many times it's like if we had a coach like Nick Nurse, then <laughs> fill in the blank, you know. So I'm yeah. curious how Raptors fans, at least from your perspective, uh, feel about this coach.
2: Yeah, I think it's a bit polarizing. I think um, I think a lot of fans will just blame a coach. And I do think that's a little lazy. Mm. Uh, you know, and I think maybe some Raptors fans have just like lost perspective and don't realize that if we ever fired Nick Nurse, that another team would literally just fire whoever they had. And
1: mm-hmm. the line would be so long. For
2: yeah, him. the lineup yeah. would be so long for him and he would kill it, you know? So I, I think personally, I'm a huge Nick Nurse fan on my podcast. I have a Nick Nurse hottie highlight of the week really? Like in my stand-up, I do uh, a bit about being physically attracted to him. So I'm very biased for him. But even all of that aside, <laughs> <laughs> and just focusing on, on the basketball part of it, um, his main criticisms are for one minute. Um, he plays his starting lineup hard. He gets a lot of Tibbs comparisons mm-hmm. uh, as a result of that. And, um, you know, he he more or less has just said that the bench isn't, frankly, they're just not good enough. And, you know, it is his job to win games. But also, at what point is it like, do you just take the time to develop this bench anyways? Because they have to. If we're going to move forward or is this truly an indictment on the front office and they really aren't good enough. It's hard to tell because they don't often get enough minutes to truly see that for sure. hmm. You know, so that's really where um that criticism is. There's also criticisms about like all the switching and ski like um because mm-hmm. it's very demanding, mm-hmm. like the constant switching is physically demanding, and uh, there's criticisms of that as well, like maybe we need something a bit simpler. I think the constant switching again is just overcompensating for the lack of offense. um I haven't heard players complain about it um. So that really is just the fan rhetoric. I mean, another thing I'll add, too, is that, like, you know, for Fred is a free agent at the end of this season. Um, mm. Pascal, if he makes All-NBA, he qualifies for the Supermax. So they have personal interests in playing a lot of minutes, too. And um, personally, I think, you know, you look at the Bucks. like Giannis only plays so many minutes a game. Right. But I don't think that's Bootenholzer alone. Making that kind of a decision, I think Giannis is involved in that decision. I think maybe you know the medical staff and even to some degree the front office would be involved in a decision like that. And so, if we are going to limit Fred's minutes, if we are going to limit Pascal's minutes, that I think is a team decision, and I don't think that rests on Nick's shoulders alone. Um, developing the bench um and their lack of development i do think nick needs to take a bit of an l yeah. on that you know i think we need to recalibrate our expectations for this season and truly see what this bench has and i think we need to do it now before the trade deadline to if anything to up their value um so yeah so you know like i said at the very beginning it's highly nuanced and there's fingers to point everywhere and it's
1: all somewhat valid Who in particular on the bench is being held as someone that needs to be seen more and should play more minutes? Is there like a a folk hero? Like for for a while, it was Deuce McBride (laughs) for Nick fans. And then we saw him in a couple of zero point performances. And it's like, oh, that's why they were afraid to make him full-time in the rotation while admitting he's like elite on defense, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Juancho Vanchero, Bo Cruz has been getting more minutes. Hey. He's, he's been looking good. And I, I, I like him actually. I, I think he's a solid player. Um, we have a uh, Christian Coloco who's a, a rookie, but you know, I want to see more what he can do. Um, Precious Achua was injured for a bit and has only come back in the last like week or two. So, you know, hoping to see more from him as well. Um, he has Nick has been doing a bit more different things with rotations recently. So I think he is kind of coming around. But I guess the weird thing with Nick is that he started off being known as this like highly versatile coach willing to try anything. You know, let's put Kawhi on Giannis. Let's do a boxing one in the finals, you know, and now he's somehow become this like stubborn uh, curmudgeon. And I don't know how that 180 happened, but I think he needs to go back to that creative Nick who's just willing to try things and uh, and see what what happens
1: well as somebody who roots for a team that is coached by a stubborn curmudgeon yeah. um, I can understand if uh, you hear a lot of fans that are frustrated by the lack of of creativity mm-hmm. it is before I get to our, my last question it is just it is fascinating to hear that the thing that Nick's fans, that, that some Knicks fans complain about the most, like how simple the Knicks offense is, that they don't switch anything. It's all drop coverage. And like the things they do switch are, are, are it's not a, a, as often as people would like. It's it's protective paint. And if teams get hot from three, then God bless them. And then you look at like kids. We should be like more like Toronto. And mm-hmm. then you turn around and this seems like it's something that's more of a Source of 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 disappointment um from some Raptors fans, which is well, which is you, fascinating.
2: you know how it is when you're a homer everyone's in just mm-hmm. a bit of a crisis all the time you yeah. know I mean yeah. even like even in a in a championship season, it's like there's just so much anxiety through the whole thing. <sighs> Until the very end. Until the very, very end. There's just so much anxiety the whole time. And then the more you end, the more you're just like, I don't know. It's like, oh, my God. It's like, it's weird. It's stressful in a weird way.
1: Hey, 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 Catherine. I respect that during a championship season, it was probably stressful. Couldn't tell you. I haven't seen one since <laughs> 1973. So I have no idea what that's like. Stressful during the fourth <laughs> round of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know. yeah. Um, okay. Last question before I let you go. Um, this matchup Knicks against the the Raptors, the, the, Raps just finished a six game homestand in which, mm. in which they went three and three, as you said, and had featured that three game winning streak. It also started with a Knicks loss. So mm. this, these two teams come in one and one on the season. What are your expectations for this game? Um, I, I, I would assume this, this stretch. I saw a tweet earlier from um, one of your colleagues at Raptor Republic that this next stretch is against a lot of tough opponents. The Knicks twice, in the midst of that, but like Milwaukee is in it. Um, a couple other playoff teams are in it. Um, Like what, what are you looking for going into this game?
2: I mean, uh, yeah, just in terms of the game, I mean, I'm hopefully looking for the Raptors to be aggressive offensively. You know, they have to get off to a good start. They're really falling into the trap of like the the fourth quarter fake run, which is almost becoming like a meme amongst our fans. Like it's just like it's almost becoming predictable, you know, and they really have to snap out of that. So I'm looking forward to hopefully them being very aggressive offensively Right off the top, get to a good start. Oh my God. If this team could just get to a good start for once, mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. And then just in terms of like overall, I'm looking to see, you know, are they willing to make adjustments? Are they willing to try something new here? Are they willing to shake it up a bit? Because, you know, Leading up to this trade deadline, I think we're gonna learn a lot more about who we are, not just for the rest of this season, but maybe for even the next several seasons in terms of which direction uh, this team's going to go. And I think this next you know few weeks is going to say a lot about that
1: interesting. Well, I would say good luck, but I wouldn't. You wouldn't be
2: a Knicks fan if yeah, you did. Yeah,
1: like I wouldn't. It would. It would be disingenuous. So I will say, I hope you enjoy <laughs> either outcome of the game uh, on Monday. Uh, I hope you
2: enjoy watching the game. Yes. I hope you enjoy your beer after you lose the game. Hey God, uh, trash talking no, now. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right. No, No, I'm sure I'm sure we'll lose the game and continue to delve into madness uh, via Twitter. But
1: I'm curious whose coach will play at starters more minutes. That's 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 the actual match. Oh, well,
2: if there's if there's no Fred, definitely Nick.
1: Oh, yeah. True. Pascal won't come out. At, at that point <laughs> yeah 48 minutes in the middle <laughs> Four, of i, the of I hope to
2: god he gets the super max man i can't have a clay thompson situation with him so, but he's on the verge of that you know
1: it, it depends if people take the fact that he's eligible at center seriously and he makes third team center then mm. there you go that's how he gets it i do think he would be in the conversation we do a, our, on our patreon pod that's where we do our all nba conversations yeah, yeah. And, We we did like a mini all NBA discussion a few weeks ago, and it was like Pascal Siakam's eligible at center. It's like, oh, he's my third team center. Just this this
2: guy like doesn't have a break the whole game and just doesn't. (laughs) doesn't
1: Nope. Jalen (laughs) Brunson has experienced that a couple (laughs) times lately because he has no backup. Emmanuel quickly is like the de facto backup point guard, but he's also like a wing and like is also RJ's backup and is also. Uh, Quentin Grimes is back up. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be a couple of 40 minute totals in, in this game. On for Monday. sure. Yeah. Uh, Catherine, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much for, for joining me to preview this game and to tell us more about the Raptors. Um, You mentioned you're a stand up comedian and your bio on Twitter has so many things to plug. So please tell the fine people here in New York some a little bit where they can find more of your work as well as the work you do covering the Raptors
2: yeah so uh, in terms of stand-up comedy uh, I have a comedy album called I'm Your Number One Dad and that is available on Spotify or Apple or wherever you download music if you want to take a a break from podcasts or music and just listen to some comedy you can do that Uh, my NBA podcast is called the Buckets and Tea NBA show available on the Rapcast Uh, I also cover the WNBA on a Mm. podcast called The Pickup WNBA Pod if you're interested in that as well and And yeah, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at it's me underscore Catherine spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. And uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun.
1: If you are watching this on YouTube, everybody her. That Twitter name is in the box underneath the yes. face. Um, and then uh, if you'd like the link to her comedy album and all of the things that she just mentioned, the WNBA podcast, as well as Buckets and Tea, will be in the description of the YouTube video as well. If you're listening in the podcast description and the episode description as well. Um, Kate, Catherine, thank you so much for joining me.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate
1: it. That was amazing. Thank you to Catherine for making the time for me. Um, she's she's awesome and little behind the scenes agreed to do this at ten thirty p.m. Eastern on a Sunday night. Uh, those who take the Long Island Railroad every day will understand my pain that I was in Suffolk County, as you saw on the post game today, or I guess on Long Island, I should say, visiting Pastor Claudio and his Obi hive, and trying to get back out. West closer to the city or where I live, um, which is Queens and at Long Island Railroad doing work on a Sunday night. Thank you for that. And so I ended up having to push back our time and she was gracious about it. I mean, it help her not help her follow her stuff. She's at Twitter at it's me, Catherine. Uh, she'll obviously be tagged in this episode description as well as in the tweet that goes out on, on Monday morning. Um, Her studio album, uh, her comedy album, I should say, I'm Your Number One Dad is available now. Uh, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Bandcamp, um, the iTunes store, Tidal, U- YouTube Music, you name it. Uh, you can go and download it now. Um, so check her stuff out. You can also find her uh, on the Rapcast podcast feed, uh, hosting Buckets and Tea. You can find her WNBA show, um, The Pickup, uh, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and then her website, katharineniker.com. I'll put that in the, the episode description as well. Um so thank you Catherine for for helping us preview the game. I'm a little more confident if Fred VanVleet doesn't play. I'm honestly never going to be confident about a Knicks game. That thing about how the Raptors are the kings of the second half fake comeback was enlightening to me because the Knicks are the kings of allowing the second half fake comeback. And sometimes it's even a second half real comeback. So this game should be interesting. I'm rambling. Thank you to everybody for listening. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five star rating and a review. Thank you for all the feedback we've gotten through five episodes of the pregame show so far. I greatly appreciate it. I love keep doing these and we're going to keep them going. But first, the Knicks are going to play a game, and then we're going to do a post-game show with John on a Monday evening. Um, And hopefully it's after the Knicks' fourth consecutive victory. Uh, Enjoy the game. Enjoy the post-game. And until next time, thank you for listening. Stay safe out there, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace.